To be born English is to win first prize in the lottery of life. So said Cecil Rhodes, one of the grandfathers of British imperialism. At its height, the British Empire ruled over one quarter of the world's population and consequently exported Englishness to the furthest reaches of the globe. But what is Englishness? Is it stiff upper lips and fair play, village greens and tea and crumpets? And who are the English? Are we defined by a shared heritage, a common set of beliefs, by the language of Shakespeare? Or in a multicultural modern age, when more languages are spoken in England than in any other country in Europe, do we need to develop a new view of what it means to be English? To discuss and define the nature and characteristics of the English, I'm joined by Stephen Merchant, graduate of the University of Warwick, an award-winning writer. Thank you for having me. And Carl Pilkington, a man who, by his own admission, uh, didn't go to school, has no qualifications. Mention the head, talk about the head. I'm just trying to get to the point that he's not qualified in anything, or True. really isn't, uh, has no authority in any subject, or hasn't got the right to it. Got, the head. And it was known the world over as a man who has a head like a fucking orange. <laughs> right. I think one thing that's very English is harping back and whinging combined. People saying, oh, England used to be better in my day, oh, England was better when I was a kid, England was better in the 50s or whatever. Carl, do you think England's better now? Are you happier now um, than you were when you were a kid? Do you feel that life was better in, say, the 1950s? Uh, I don't know, I wasn't around. So but you understand what it was like in those days? Um, You've seen happy days? I don't know, people always say, don't they? Old people always say, oh, uh, you know, it's a better life in the 50s. It was like, yeah, it was for them. Of course it was for them. They're old now. Being old isn't great, is it? So you're just happy with your lot. I suppose I was happiest in about 1984. <laughs> right. Quite a specific year. Why? Why was, just, was that? It was just I was free and happy. How old, I mean? how old were you? I don't know. Uh, He's just counting on his fingers now. Twelve. Right, okay. And it was just good. So right. the happiest days of your life were between the age of 12 and 13? Yeah, it was good. I had the world ahead of me. Mm. Um, Little did you know, your hair was going to fall out and you were going to whinge every minute of the day. I had my bike. I like messing about my bike. You had your mates. I had a pet magpie. So you were probably the teenager that you eventually hate? Probably. Were you a good lad, law-abiding? I wasn't bad. I just sort of, you know, just potted about. I mean, when people talk about what was on the telly back then, I, I don't have that much memory of it because I was always out. I was always playing out. What were you doing when you were out? Just playing about, just like on a bike or... Just riding in a circle endlessly through you, blizzards, I loved it. rain, sleet, loved hail. It. I never seemed to be in. I was always... When, when everyone always goes, where were you when uh, Band-Aid was happening? I was always out on my bike. And everything was like... Like you and McGregor. A memory's always sort of like coming in for some orange and looking at the telly and seeing Princess Diana's getting married and my mum says, have you seen this? And I'm going, oh, I'm going out on my bike. I was always doing that. The only time I was in the house. <laughs> this is why you don't know anything because you never stopped. Yeah, but this is what being a kid's about. But That's all what the I mean, information you have, Carl, is as though you've gleaned it as you raced by on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you know every piece of information you have. Your hair, it your is. hair blowing the wind. <laughs> Carl, your hair will blow out one day. Oh, don't talk, stupid ma'am. So yeah, twelve to thirteen was good. But you see, and it was all downhill from then, was it? Thirteen. Is your teenager then, aren't you? Life got tough. Yeah. How did it get tough? Just straight away when I was 13, my mum was like, you know, oh, it's your 13th birthday, you're a teenager now. Right. And she gave us a quid to go and get a cake to celebrate it. <laughs> Went to the supermarket, got a cake, and I just thought, I don't like the look of this. Don't like the look of the way the future is here. 
On his 13th birthday. Well, you were buying a cake. What, what did what you did see you at the supermarket? Just, it was kind of like, I don't know, I suddenly felt grown up. I didn't like it. But I think you were always about 58, really, with your outlook. Well, yeah, my mum always said I was old. She said I was an old baby. She said I could frown before I could walk. <laughs> so they always had a bit of a worried look on my face. <laughs> Didn't say much, just always listened. My eyes moved about more than I did. Just sat there looking around, looking stressed. Uh, <laughs> my eyes moved about more than I did. <laughs> oh dear, couldn't walk. Well, I can't walk, but I'll try and get a bit of movement in my face. Mm, oh, it's uh, a yeah. workout, a baby workout. Hi, oh, babies. Well, if you can't walk, what about your face? Let your face do the walking. It sounds like uh, that horror film. It sounds like Pilkington's baby. Yeah. <laughs> Just you lying there in your cot. I didn't like all the stuff that's set up for you. Like, me, me mum tried to send me to um, like a nursery. I said, no, I'm not having this. <laughs> Just like that. I said, I said when, when I'm older, this. when I'm older and I've got to go, I'll go. But let's leave out this bit. And she said, "All right." <laughs> I love that he could reason with her. I love if he's like he's three years old with a pipe. She's going. You're going to know. She goes. I, I think not, man. <laughs> I mean, kids don't play out, do they? Kids, you know, parents are scared to let the kids play out, and that's why the streets are dangerous now, because no one's playing out on the streets. Whereas when I was a kid, everyone was out on the streets. The streets were safer. Because there was more people knocking about. Right. Let the kids play out. It must be like a constant, like a Larry painting, his front garden, do you know what I mean? <laughs> just <laughs> loads of people just walking around. There was never around. any problems. I was sort of taken away by some fella. <laughs> what? Who, uh, I what? Whoa, 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 no, whoa. no I, was in, I was playing about in the garden. Yeah. But my dad's mate, Tony, yeah. he did tiling with him. He drove <laughs> past and he saw me looking a bit fed up, so he just leant over, picked me up, took me to the pub. Now the thing is, there wasn't panic. People weren't going. Oh God, where's Carl gone? He's out. Just, just. How old were you? He's down the pub. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, four, he's four years old. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's only having a. He's down the pub with Tony, probably playing darts. <laughs> yeah, I was about three or four. Sorry. So some bloke drives by who happens to be a friend of your dad's, thinks that baby looks grumpy. Yeah. I'm taking him down well, to the that's, pub. That's what it Tony, was like. You bringing a baby to the pub? Uh, yeah, I might do. Yeah, we're all bringing ours. All right, see you later, mate. Well, that's what I'm saying. Whereas now they go, the baby's gone. There's a big full-on panic going yeah, on. Yeah, but I think it says more about your parents that they didn't do that. They looked out of the back car and you were gone. Some bloke's driving off in a van. They're just going, oh, well, doesn't Princess Diana look lovely? <laughs> this is absurd. So what happened when you got down the pub? I just was there for a bit and then, uh, the For every bit? Just had a game of pool? Then my dad came in It was like, oh, there you are. Mm. Oh, there you are! I love that! Oh, where's my baby? Going to I'm just going to have a quick pint. Oh, there you are. <laughs> Alright, mate. So, uh, yeah, I think things were better back then. Rick, as you hinted at in your introduction, um, the idea of Englishness and England, it's quite a vague term, isn't it? It's, you can play loose and fast with it. I mean, for instance, I was uh, looking at some quotes about England, and John Major, former Prime Minister, he typified England as being a place of long shadows on county cricket grounds, warm beer, invincible green suburbs, dog lovers, and old maids bicycling through the morning mist. Very yeah. specific vision of England. But he never came to the estate that <laughs> I was born on, sure. or Carl was born. You know what I mean? I, I, I think I know of that. If we go for a walk around Richmond, we see people playing cricket on the village green, and and it's lovely. But I don't know if it's it's typical. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know where most people live. Um, but in a it's way, probably that's fifty-fifty, isn't it, in cities and in the country? But but that's wealthy country. 
But that's, interestingly, that's the vision of England that people like to subscribe to. When you buy your nan a, a box of biscuits for Christmas from Harrods, that's the image whoa, of England that's on why the am front. I, why am I spending money at Harrods? I'm a nan. Well, well, I just, she, she's out with sort of like broken custard greens. You, you've earned a bit of money now. Well, I know, but don't, they don't need to know that. I mean, also, b both my grand... My mothers are dead, so it'd be. It'd Sorry, be a, that up, well, yeah. no, but I mean, who who buys their who who spends good money at Harrods on biscuits where she just suck them and and eat the Garibaldis and leave? The, I mean, I, I I don't know why I'm wasting money on the elderly. I, I worry that you you've taken that too literally. I was trying to get to making more of a point, like an analogy, but I, mean, I don't shop at Harrods. Right. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I might you know get some Easter eggs. Two well, days after Easter. Well, what do you think of this then? Um, we were in Fortnum and Mason's after Christmas, mm -hmm. and all and all the crackers were half price. Good idea. And there was a box of crackers for five hundred quid, down to two hundred and fifty quid. And I thought, right, that's got to be the best prizes anyone's ever seen. I'm going to get Cartier watches in these things. <laughs> so we bought uh, two hundred and fifty quid. I thought, oh, it's a bargain. It's half price. Got them home, pulled a couple, and it was a little notebook, right, that said wine notes. That's one. That what? Wine notes. So you drink a bottle of wine and, and go- you make a note. Make a note of it, right? There was another one that had something that it was like opera notes or something. And then there was one for, uh, uh, um, travel notes, like what, what country you were. I'm thinking, what world are these crackers for? It was putting a cracker and going, I need it. Um, I've, I've filled up my, um, uh, wine <laughs> notes book. <laughs> it's not like- uh, 500 quid? Yeah. I mean, for some little notebooks. Yeah, I mean, if you'd have paid five hundred quid, I mean, I don't know who buys those. Well, I assume they're for presents. And it's I mean, probably the absurd, cliched Toff Toffington Englishman yeah. who has no sense anymore of what were of any sense of worth of anything, and it's just a crazy, you know, snotty-nosed inbreeding. There top. was a, there was a silver-plated like mussel, you know, uh, like the clam, the mussel, mm -hmm. right? But you know, when you eat um, mussels, you scoop. I'm out with an open muscle. Sure. There's a silver-plated one. <laughs> Who carries that with them? You get that out, we go, all oh, muscles, good, um, oh, <laughs> I, I brought it with me. My silver-plated yeah. muscle to eat muscles. Um, wait, this wine's delicious, let me make a note. <laughs> <laughs> That's absurd. <laughs> Again, you yeah. see, it's interesting you said that, because those are little images of what we would like England to be, aren't they? They're pandering to that image of what we'd all like to be, that sort of upper-class English person who's worried about fine wine and good food. And again, I mean, is, does, this, does this England still exist? I'm presuming there's a small minority that does. But well, there are some people that, that are in that world that are posher than the royal family. Yeah. You know, I can understand what the Queen and Prince Charles are saying, but there are some people... What? And I don't know what they're talking about either. Well, I was um, never really aware of class and the English class system until I went to university. Absolutely. No, I became I'd, aware of it then. Absolutely right. When I got to university and everyone sort of spoke like royalty, that's when I discovered I was probably working class. But when I hear those people who do actually speak in that kind of, oh, Jeff, Jeff, you know, that sort of absurd, oh, rugger, oh, you absolute bloody well, you bastard. Know, you know they, what, though? I don't mind the mega posh people. I don't mind that. Yeah, bloody hell, yeah. Yeah, of course, take one. Take one. You know, I don't mind one of those. Uh, what I don't like is the ones that um, stand around in all bar one with a rugby shirt with a collar up. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those sort of, who are going to work in the city, yeah. and they're loud and think they're gentry, yeah. but they're, they're not. It's that middle bit. That annoys me more. That's they've got this that confidence, but without any of the charm. But that's the England that I think people think of when they think of it. It's the four weddings and a funeral England, and yet it's not the England I experienced and grew up in. So, what is your typical image of an Englishman? Now? If I had to draw it for an alien, yeah, um, he'd be 
uh, quite squat, um, quite sturdy, sort of no neck, um, hairy. Are you just thinking of yourself? Do you know what? I, it would be my build with Carl's head. Really? And no neck, yeah. I think he's sort of balding and unshaven, and, uh, he's like a shaved caveman. I think he's, he's tough, he'd have tats, he'd, he'd eat like a dog. A Ray Winston type. A, a, a sort of, yeah, that sort of, um, and he's Bob so Hoskins, just squat, strong, tough, doesn't take any messing, built like a giant wombat. It's the bulldog breed. It is the bulldog breed. I am thinking of the bulldog breed, yeah. See, now my image of an Englishman is, is essentially that cliched one. It is, I think, f Hugh Grant. So you're modern, you're straight well, away modern or now. Well, I would say, it's either mixed between Hugh Grant and Roger Moore when he was James Bond. You, you see, that's I mean? another, that's another small percentage of I Englishness that sort of annoys me. Those people that think they're James Bond. They think they can buy a suit and read GQ, and they're suave and sophisticated, and they get cars they can't afford, or what they basically do, the people who think they're James Bond, all they do is work in a bank, come home, and flick through GQ at the adverts, looking at people in- with wearing watches and aftershave. Who wears aftershave? Do you wear aftershave, Carl? Um, normally it's- it, aftershave is a sort of thing I let other people buy me. It's like underpants. Underpants, tea towels, and sort of aftershave and that. <laughs> other people buying me. Who's buying you tea towels? Me mum. Right, and okay. Every time she turns up she's got Brilla pads and stuff. <laughs> I've got loads of them. <laughs> I keep saying to her, I don't need any of this, but she always brings a box full of stuff. Brilla pads, tea towels, underpants. The underpants size hasn't gone up since I was 14. <laughs> but that's- I can rely on her for that. So do you not have anything in your life which you would think of as being gentlemanly? Do you ever dress smartly? What about suits? I bought one suit that time when you invited me to the BAFTAs. That's the only suit. I wore it for the BAFTAs. I think I wore it for one other thing. I haven't wore it since. I don't like- I don't feel comfortable. It's not me. But don't you go to a- That'd be a lovely advert, wouldn't it? Him with a suit on going, I haven't wore it since. <laughs> Carl Pilkington hasn't wore it since. <laughs> I don't go to, to weddings. No, I don't like going to them. I agree. I mean, even though you know them, they don't give you any time when you're there, do they? They just sort of, they don't know whether you're there or not. They're on cloud nine. They don't know who's around. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You don't need it's to all, be there. With them, when I'm ready there, it's all me, 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 isn't it? <laughs> oh, what are they like? I know, unbelievable. You don't even get to make a speech, do you? Although I know you were annoyed, Steve. Steve doesn't like to part with money. I, don't, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I don't know what the politically correct term is. Stingy cunt, isn't he? Mm. He's fucking mean, right? And, uh, if he ever has to spend out on like a wedding gift to someone he's known, you know, all his life, um, they look down the list and they find things, things under 25 pounds. Then if he, if he bothers spending that much, he's furious when someone, an usher goes, just stick it there. Oh, it drives me insane. You spent, well, firstly, oh, I, I'm annoyed about the wedding list. I don't know when that's come along because I don't know why I can't just bring, maybe something I've made at home. <laughs> no. <laughs> Why has there got to be a list of stuff? What bride, what newly married bride doesn't want a pair of homemade clogs? Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And then you arrive there and it's just, oh, thanks very much, stick it on the table. Uh, well, but the saying that, I think people very much appreciate you being at their wedding. No, I They don't, do, I, they remember if you were there. No, they don't. They do. Yeah. You don't get invited to weddings because you ain't got any mates. No, I have, I've got, I know enough people, everyone's getting married. But it's, they're always in the middle of nowhere. That, no, that, that annoys me when people say, come to our wedding. Yeah, fine, we're, we're having Greece. Yeah. Well, no, down the road, I might make it down the road for the reception. Yeah. Go to, what, you want me to book a holiday 
and come to your wedding. Well, the thing that drives me insane when you do go is when they put you on a table with people you don't know. Well, I got all my mates there, and they put what? Because uh, I got a mingle with some people. I don't care. I need these. But well, that's what I'm not good at. They're talking to people friends. once. Talking to people who you don't know. No. Well, what sort of stuff would you make conversation about at a wedding? Uh, I'd probably say, oh, first of all, how do you know them? How do you know the people getting married? Mm -hmm. uh, and then, like, you know, do you think it'll last? Where should we put him? Oh, I don't know. Is there a, is there a table for one? Oh, just you a table with the kids. Imagine being stuck with Carl Pilkington at a wedding. Yeah, what else? So you've asked them to think it last. They've gone. I'm sorry. Who are you? Carl uh, Pilkington from Manchester. Right. Yes, we think it last. What else would you ask? So what was your next? Um, you know it's going badly. They're sort of like looking down their nose at you. They're thinking, why did they invite this bald-headed scum? There's just the, the last wedding I went to. It's going back a couple of years, but everyone seems a bit snidey. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because you've got a mixture of families there, haven't you? Yeah. And none of them really like each other. No. And I got stuck with an old fellow who had a flatulence problem. <laughs> that sounds fun. And then he went on to say, it doesn't matter. The suit's hired. And it's just kind of. <laughs> I, I, love just that. Like I love it. I love it. He's basically saying at a wedding, it doesn't matter if I shit myself. <laughs> 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 oh. To be born English is to win first prize in the lottery of life. So, what do you think of that, Carl? I uh, may maybe uh, uh, maybe it's that thing that I don't appreciate what I've got. But to me, being English isn't anything that great. Really? Why not? Because, uh, it's just what I've been dealt with. But what would you, uh, having, I mean, I know you know nothing about the world, um... You've travelled nowhere. You've no, seen no, nothing. Yeah. Um, but if you could be any nationality, what would you be and why? Um, probably be Italian. Okay. Why? Well, just, uh yeah, I like the idea of it. I like it. Italians are all right. Aren't Where would you live? Rome? Prob I probably wouldn't want to be in, in the middle of Rome. It's too much hassle. Have you been to Rome? Yeah, it's nice to visit and stuff, but it's just I wouldn't want to live there. It's, you've got to get paperwork done and that if you just want to put a picture up, because everything's old. Everything's listed. He's, it's already, it's, he's only been Italian about three minutes and he's already slacking <laughs> he's out. He's already no, no, but I like I, I like, I like Rome. Yeah. It's good. A lot of old stuff. Why have you chosen Italy? I'm interested to know why of all the countries you've chosen Italy. I was a latecomer to pasta. <laughs> <laughs> but it's one year round. I like it now. It's like one of my favourite things I have. Um, which there isn't really anything like that in England. That even though well, it's- Well, except pasta. Pasta's no, almost exactly like it. Yeah, no, we've got, not, we got pasta, It's we? not ours though, is it? And we no, don't know how to eat it. What do you mean we don't know how to eat we, it? We do it all wrong. You stick, <laughs> you stick it up your arse again. Look at me, I know how to fucking eat it. No, but what I mean is, if if you saw a proper Italian and they saw what we did to pasta, they would not be happy. What are we doing wrong? Tell me what we're doing wrong. Well, with I don't pasta. know that. Otherwise, we wouldn't be doing well, it wrong. Well, how do you know, know we're doing it wrong? You know I've just heard we do it wrong. It's like how we we have the coffee at all the wrong times. I ordered a cappuccino somewhere, and the Italian fellow said you shouldn't be having that now. It's a breakfast coffee. Yeah, it is. Yeah, before twelve o'clock. Yeah, yeah, but I was having it at like quarter to eleven at night. Oh wow! Like well, well, that's mental. absurd. Are you going to get to sleep with a lovely cup of coffee? Yeah, that's not. Well, I don't sleep anyway. You shouldn't drink coffee anyway at night. There was cappuccino or frappuccino or or mocha. Doesn't matter. Don't drink coffee after about four in the afternoon anyway, full stop. So hang on, so you love pasta, but you're not eating it right, so you'd like to be Italian in order to be able to eat pasta correctly. 
even though you enjoy the pasta, you What eat. do you feel being Italian uh, is, and what, what's it's attracted to It's just very sort of, um, it's a relaxed lifestyle. Whenever you go to Italy, everyone's outside a cafe. It doesn't matter what sort of person oh, you are. that's all you do now with your spare time is yes. outside a cafe. But they get more respect over there for Why? It. It's, it's like, it's okay to do that. There's older people sat outside cafes who do nothing. I love just the fact that he wants to be retired. Italian so he can sit outside a cafe and get more respect than he does now sitting outside, outside a cafe. No, but everyone's rushing about here. People have, like, colder coffee. They have frappuccinos here because they haven't got time to have a hot coffee. It's <laughs> like they've got a coffee with ice in so I can neck it. Get it down <laughs> my neck and get on with my day. Relax, enjoy your coffee. I don't understand the rush. <laughs> you but, never but, enjoy anything. You say that you don't enjoy anything. You don't enjoy a coffee. When you're having a coffee, you're probably going, oh, I, can't, I don't know if I can enjoy it yet, in retrospect. And tomorrow, I'll go, oh, I like that coffee yesterday. But the reason you enjoy Italy is because when you were there, you're on holiday. That's why you're able to chill out and no, relax. No. When you say that it's old people, old people sat in some little Sicilian village, of course they, they got no money. <laughs> Here, I went to the Salvation Army. Right. Why? Because it's nice. What do you mean? You get, you get, you can get toast and a cup of tea for a pound. <laughs> oh, you little skinflint. Right. You little roundy heady There's nothing scrooged. skinflinty about that. That's just, that, that should be the going rate, Steve. I'm surprised I haven't seen you in there, to be honest. <laughs> but the thing is. Where is now, it? Now, <laughs> just near Camden. What is it? Is it like old people? A lot of old people, mainly old people. Um, and this is what I'm saying. These are people who are old and they sat in a cafe, but they don't get any respect. People are walking past and they don't want to go in the way you reacted when I said I was in the Salvation Army. That's the reaction they get. Yet an old Italian person, they looked after better. Well, it's certainly true they look after their older families, don't right. they? they do and that's all I'm saying, whereas, I mean, it's a lovely place, Salvation Army. Every old fella in there's got a tie on. Yeah. They make an effort. And that, that, that chokes me when I see an old boy still put a shirt and tie on. He he's, was. he's He's 90, he's like been through hardship and yet on a Sunday, they're still shining their shoes and, you know what I mean? I mean, you sometimes can't even bother to put your trousers on. I know, I know. Well, I've got an elasticated waistband yeah. and they're, they're still fiddling with braces and buttons. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's what I like about Italians and that. There's a, there's a lot of So you respect. want to be Italian because when you're old, you can sit outside a cafe and get more respect than you do here. Yeah. Look at the old people in this country. They never look happy, do they? Really. Most of the time, when you see them walking around, they, they go to pot. No one's keeping an eye on them. Well, it's a, an important thing, isn't it? That, that um, my uh, my mum. This is when she was about sixty, sixty-five. Uh, there was a, a neighbour who was uh, uh, like, you know, eighty-five, ninety, and um, again, completely alone. And my mum used to go on there every day. Do you want any shopping? Do it right. She, she was she was she was good for us. She was like her witness in the world, you know, to her existence. But I remember calling her once, and, uh, she'd come back, I said, what are we doing? She went, oh, I've been around so-and-so. So I went, all right. She went, oh, she won't die, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> like, she's helping yeah, her, but she's yeah, thinking, yeah, this yeah. is getting silly now. You were meant to go years ago here. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the problem, you know, if you, if you get pally with an old person, yeah. man, you could be stuck with them for years. And having to do stuff, you know, that's what you don't want to do, isn't it? You, you, you meet an old, you know, an old fella, and then you've got to start, um, popping in his sort of piles or whatever when he can't do them himself. You know, what do you do if you're... It depends how friendly you are, though. I mean, I'm just talking about someone you meet at the bus stop as opposed to popping the piles back in. <laughs> <laughs> how does that happen? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> just the ones on, on the estate I grew up on. 
soon as it got to a certain age, there was Mrs. Knowles who went mental. One right. day she seemed fine, next day she was chucking cans in everyone's garden. <laughs> you could you just hear her coming. <laughs> Which was weird. Aren't you? Now you brought up weird people. There was Go a on. fella called Shortsman. Right? <laughs> Shortest man wore some shorts. Now, now, what I like, yeah, he did, but they were they were really short. They were that sort where, you know, it's almost pointless having them on. What do you mean? They were just, you know, like shorts now for blokes. Yeah. They go up to your knees, don't they? There's yeah. no chance. There's no accident happening there. There's go nothing going to pop out. Yeah. No. But shorts, man, he liked it. He liked the fact that that happened, right. and he used to walk with with big strides to sort of help the chance along. So that he what? knew, with the big strides and the short shorts, yeah, they were going to pop out. Did you ever see it pop out? Yeah. Why were you looking at the shorts? Just because it was—it was like it was what like it? it was like playing Buckaroo. <laughs> it was like when are they going to pop out? But what? <laughs> it just what happened? So wh right, but so shorts man. <laughs> so he was an exhibitionist. He liked he mostly white people to yeah. see his veg. Yeah. <laughs> and they were out more than they were in. I mean, they, they had a tan, right? <laughs> now the thing is. What, what we like in England, I think we like that. We like local characters. The eccentric. Yeah. yeah. Eccentric's very, that's very British. Eccentric, yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I'm glad I grew up around there with all them people. So am interesting. I. Well, there is a certain, uh, mindset about the, the great English, certainly the older English people. I mean, my grandparents are, you know, my grandfather died recently, but the amazing kind of eccentric, very English, seemingly, um, no friends, from what I can identify. I don't know if this is unique to them or true of a lot of English people, uh, older people. They're terrified of what the neighbours might say. They always did that thing of speaking like that in case I was yeah. Like the, like the neighbours are constantly listening in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They've got glasses against the wall. They're constantly listening into what my grand's got to say. Yeah. Um, they had about three teeth between them. It was extraordinary. My grandfather had a, a plate of false teeth during the war that had a wooden palate, a wooden upper wow. palate with teeth on it, and those teeth slowly fell off during the course of the years, never got, got replaced. So you, they'd sort of invite you to Sunday roast, and they would get, they would wake up at six in the morning to put the beef on, and they wouldn't have it till six in the evening. <laughs> <laughs> they would cook it. The biggest compliment you could have, uh, if you made some food for my grand, if it was some beef, would be, oh, you're so lovely, this, so tender, you can suck it away. <laughs> she, if you could suck your Sunday roast through a straw, she was happy. Well, because you didn't have any teeth. Right, exactly. Basically, they got to about the age of 60 or something, and it was as though they were just waiting to die. It was strange. They, and they lived for another, or my grandfather lived for at least another 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you must have been gutted. But in a, when my father, uh, my father needed a winter coat, a big heavy winter coat, and he was thinking of buying one, and um, my grand said, oh, don't worry about that, Ron. You can have your father's winter coat. And um, he said, well, but, but you know, he's, he's still alive. What do you talking about? You know, he, he needs a winter coat. She went, no, he'll be dead soon. Just don't, silly to waste it. Seems to waste it, you know, just wait. My father must have been waiting ten years for that winter coat. I love the fact he waited. You can, <laughs> you can see where did. Steve got it from. Of course he waiting. Did. Stupid, I'm waiting now. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you must be freezing. I am cold, but I'll tell you, it's a lovely coat. In English society, traditionally and now, is manners. Mm. I mean, obviously manners change, but etiquette. what is etiquette? What is good manners? Um, I think that a lot of that has been lost. Well, I was thinking the other day, have you ever heard of the finishing school? Yeah. Carl? Yeah, of course. Do you know that? Uh, no. The idea is that, you know, the sort of gentrified ladies 
after they finished their education, they would go to finishing school, where they would literally be taught, you know, how what, to knives and forks, walking with a book on your head, just things like that, what to say. I mean, that's. I mean, it's like it's it's like a, a year of being Eliza Doolittle, isn't yeah. it? Don't put your elbows on the table. You start start from outwards, going inwards with cutlery. You know, you eat soup, the spoon goes away. There's things like the the fork. Uh, you're never meant to face those prongs uh, up. That you, so you either stab your peas, or you know, mm. there's ways of eating soup. You know, the spoon needs to be moving away from yeah. you. Yeah, and scooping it up and bring it back to your mouth. I mean, it's crazy, but you know, the people that subscribe to that stuff would look at the way you live your life, the way you eat your food, Carl, and would be appalled. Yeah, but in the same way we think that's absurd, they would think you're a disgrace. But who's, uh, as long as you're enjoying it, no, they would say no. Well, no, there are certain things that I can't stand. I can't stand eating with a mouth open. I think that's rude. I I I, I banned chewing gum on the set of a film because it, uh, I think it's rude. I think it's rude. Those people who stand there talking to you. Yeah, but we all know you're a preposterous hypocrite. I mean, the way you no, eat food, come on. No, I don't eat with my mouth open. I don't, uh, I do eat with just my right hand, smash it and scoop it in, but, then, but I see nothing wrong with I that. I would say it was slightly rude when you're ordering the bill and getting up to leave yeah. when I'm still finishing my main course. Yeah. I'd say there was a touch of rudeness But I go into that. a restaurant to eat. Yeah, but you're supposed to wait when you're with the other people and let them finish as well. This is my ideal restaurant. It is empty. They know what I want, and it's waiting for me when I walk in. I leave, still chewing, and I go put it on my bill. That's yeah. the ideal restaurant for me. Yeah, you're pretty much there. From yeah, what I, I try. Can tell. I try, and that's what I try and try and do. Yeah, um, but you know, there are certain things. I am one for manners. I think I, I hate rudeness. I hate lateness. I hate all those things. But some of them are ridiculous. The elbows on the table is arbitrary. Why? I mean, there's a reason you say please and thank you. Because it shows courtesy. Um, th those make sense. There's a reason you don't talk when you're eating, because it goes over and it's disgusting. There's a reason you don't lick your fingers and then put it back in the chips, because someone else has got to share that. But don't put your elbows on the table or, or start with that fork. I think it's ludicrous. You know there's those rules when you meet a member of the royal family. For instance, if you were at the royal variety performance and you met the queen, mm. there's various rules they yeah, tell you, you about. Yeah, you don't fart or call her love. <laughs> exactly, for, for one. But also, you don't speak until you're spoken to, you have to do a slight bow. I was, um, invited to the, the palace a couple of times. The first time was after the office sort of broke, and I got an invite, um, a company of uh, Her Majesty the Queen would like you to come to a, one of those dinner parties, and, um, I know what you're thinking, why didn't you get one? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Well, well, well wait, 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 I was, I was a big shot quicker than you, because I was in it. Um, don't forget, you didn't appear until... Um, but uh, even so, two. if we'd if we'd split the atom, they would yeah. invite both of us, <laughs> not just a guy who does the press conference. <laughs> so, so the thing came through, and I thought, oh, I, don't, I didn't, I, I was worried about it to be honest. Um, but it just said, I will be attending, I will not be attending, tick the box, and I couldn't bear to just tick, I will not be attending, because it was too harsh. So there was a RSPV number, and I phoned up, and it was obviously the the head of the house or a butler or I, d I don't know someone, who, and he went, "Hello, Buckingham Palace," and I said, "Hello, it's Ricky Gervais. I just got an invite to come and." Uh, um, and I said, "It sounds weird, but I couldn't bear to just tick. I will not be attending." Um, I just went, he went, "Well, you're the first person ever to bother to do that. Thank you so much." I went, "Oh, um, my pleasure. Sorry, I can't make it." And. But I don't think that's weird. It is strangely brutal. 
It is strangely brutal, isn't it? I wonder if they've changed it by now. Yeah, there's a little asterisk, thanks to Ricky Gervais, and it now <laughs> says, I am too fat and lazy and busy eating cheese to visit your majesty. Uh, what I think is this, that no one's ever ticked I will not be attending. Right, yeah. So it was never a problem. Until, so why until, did you not want to go? Um, I don't know, I just thought it was a bit intense, and, um, I'd, be, I'd turned down all those things. I, I think I would like to go now, just to look around. Yeah. Um, I don't know, I just felt a bit funny, just being invited there. I, I was invited to all those things at the, uh, um, Downing Street as well, mm. and I just thought, you're inviting me because I'm on the telly now, because I'm famous. Well, where was my invite when I was on the dole? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? With respect, I wouldn't have invited you <laughs> <laughs> circa 1983. <laughs> no, I haven't got a problem with, um, you know, going to the palace or, um, except I do have a problem with sort of being wheeled around as, as a celebrity. Because I used to think if I was ever invited uh, to get given an MBE or a knighthood or something, I'd be like, nah, I'm not part of the system, you know, I'm a rebel, I'm outside. Now I think it would be be quite cool. Well, I only think it's a problem for a comedian, because, you know, we're sort of meant to dish it out, and it's difficult to dish it out if you're being seen. What I do find weird is the idea of having to bow and scrape before people, because I'm told to do that. Well, like, I, 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 I what I find is that idea of, I'm, I'm, a, I'm obligated to be respectful to such a degree, just because someone's the queen. Like, obviously, I'd always be respectful, but... Why can't I speak when she turns up? What? I don't understand. That's I find a strange what idea. What would you say, though? Well, I just say, you know, honour to meet you, Majesty. But, you know, I don't understand why I can't initiate that. Why, if I, but I, I don't find think it weird. she'd mind that. If, if you went, if you went, honour to meet you before she'd spoken, what she's going to say? She's going to go, cheeky cunt. <laughs> I talks first, lanky. <laughs> Carl, what do you think about all the pomp and circumstance around, um... It's, it's all alien. It's not, it's not for me. I don't like that sort of, uh... I, I try and not put myself in the same sort of circles as, as posh people because it's just a different, it's like a different club, isn't it? It's like, like I said to you about young people and old people, there's such a different life going on. They say like the, the whale and the hippo are related, you never see them together. And it's the same with, with really posh, you know, well-off people and someone who's just getting on with the life. But it's, but I mean, uh, that's the thing that's changed as well, the stiff upper lip thing, that's out of the window now. I mean, it, it's like everyone's got a new addiction. Everyone's, oh, I'm addicted to drugs, alcohol. I'm addicted to sex. Not a problem. Have a wank. <laughs> and everyone's got depression now. I Can you be addicted to sex if you're not getting any? Because <laughs> <laughs> if that's the case, then. <laughs> oh, dear. Do you think there's a big difference, Carl, between the, the Englishman of year, yesteryear who didn't complain? I mean, he just got on with things. He might have whinged about the weather and the like, um, but he just got on with things. He carried know? an umbrella. Yeah. He Whereas didn't nowadays about anything. people are getting their Prozac and their antidepressants. If someone into therapy. Yeah. He kept out of stuff as well. I just did a war and so and so. All right. They're coming this way. If they come over here, give them a slap. Why are we getting involved now in everything? Thoughts on that, Carl? Uh, it's news now, isn't it? Sometimes I think, don't tell me. Don't want to know. Just get on with it. Whoever's job that is, get on with it. Yeah. Why am I being told about it? When I've got a problem in my job, no one else knows. No, no. one helps me out and goes, well, I've got an opinion for him. No. This might help him. No one helps me. But I'm being bombarded by everyone else's asshole. <laughs> they love talking, actually. That's what the English do. Talking, but they never finalise it. They'd love just being in the meeting room. 
talking, saying, yeah, we could do this, we could do that. I'm the only one in that room not getting paid. Everyone else is on a wage. <laughs> I'm there looking at me watch, thinking, right, I've been here for an hour and nothing's been sorted. <laughs> They're looking, thinking we can drag this out for another half hour, get us to lunch. That's what annoys me. They're all sat there, just pushing bullshit around the room like dung beetles. <laughs> Sick of it. And that's what the English do. <laughs> and it's a shame, because I don't think they used to be like that. I wish everybody just sort of kept to themselves more. Like, you know, certain animals do, you just get on with it. It's like no, an old-fashioned way. What animals keep well, any, themselves? Well, any animals keep themselves themselves. No, what? Said no. Loads of things. What, what, keeps, what animals keep themselves? Badges. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they keep themselves? Just, no, they just start, when, whenever you've seen them just sort of wandering about a roadside, they're on their own. Right. They're not, they're not sort of What are they doing? In pairs. I don't know. Most of the time they're dead. <laughs> I've seen more dead badgers than alive ones. I've never seen a live badger. <laughs> I don't so know what his point is. So that's is. why they're one alone and two getting on with it. I love it. Most I of the time. It started off as some kind of poetic analogy. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Most of the time. I just, uh... <laughs> oh, God. Um, I like this thing of the, the, the Englishman I knew growing up, um, was, uh, you had to, when you hit a certain age, when you hit, like, manhood or puberty or whatever, 13, 14, 15, you had to start showing your metal. Then, the most important thing then was to, uh, well, the worst thing to be growing up was gay. That was like, you couldn't be gay. That was, it couldn't be gay. Anything but gay. Um, and then you had to be hard. You had to be tough. Um, I remember, right, when I first started going to pubs, right, so I'm, I don't know, say 18, you walk into a toilet, the urinals, and the first thing everyone did was fart and gob. <laughs> yeah. That was it, right? Yeah, if yeah. you couldn't do that, then, uh, you know, you'd get funny looks. You yeah. know, you'd go in the urinal and they'd look at you and go, oh, sorry. It mm. was all about, um, being a man, <clears throat> you know. I think wearing glasses makes you slightly exempt from that. It's like you don't have to, people mm. automatically dissociate. It's like if I was in prison, I wouldn't have to do that because I'd just be the professor. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Exactly, or brains. Yeah. I would, yeah. I, they would, I wouldn't need to be part of it. I'm never a threat, because I never look like I'm going to be a tough guy. So consequently, I live in this sort of parallel stratosphere, where I haven't got a piss and gob. Yeah. Has that got more popular? Yes. Has it? Yeah. There's a lot of people gobbing. doing it in the streets now. Really? It's not like in, avoiding... Not in Hampstead. It still is, you know. When I wa walk The only here, person gobbing in Hampstead is me. Jane says, don't gob. People are looking. Well, it is. It's your trail that I'm seeing then. <laughs> It's like a load of sort of washed up jellyfish in London. Just big blobs of it. I, d I mean, I don't know how they're coughing this stuff up. I mean, they shouldn't still be alive. Some of them have like organs in them. It's just big lumps of stuff. I mean, that list of idyllic, antiquated England of, uh, you know, tea and cakes and cricket, I mean, is, is valid. But I think the things that sum up Englishness I mean, talking of the weather, I think drinking, uh, war, we love a ruck. Yeah. We've built on war. We're a warrior race. We're pretty good at war. We used we to be. We are good. We used to be good. I don't yeah, know Yeah, no, we're very good. We're, good. we're We're very good. I mean, we've, I think we've reached our peak with Churchill. Probably, that's probably our, our greatest uh, hour. Our finest hour. According to him. Yeah. Well, he should know he was there. He should know. And he liked to drink, didn't he? He loved a brandy. He's just not afraid of a drink. He liked to... He'd get pissed up, and he'd no wonder he'd fight him on the beaches. He'd fight him anywhere. Yeah. See, there's an example of a posh bloke. It was like I was saying, he'd lead you into battle, 
he'll have a weapon too. He'd go in there. He didn't, he didn't sit back. I mean, when he was old, he did. But nothing wrong with being posh if you're willing to go and, you know, get stuck in. What do you think, Carl? Um, is it as scary though? I mean, imagine if, if he was rougher sounding and he was on, on the front line and- Like uh, he went, he went, you fucking little cunt. I'll fight you on the beach, uh, look, see me down in Brighton Monday. I'm gonna fucking smack your head in, you little fucking German cunt. Like that, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah! It's a bit of a morale boost. <laughs> well, that's the other point of one, isn't it? That he was, those speeches were for as much as morale as uh, information and, and defiance. You don't want to feel like the, the leader of your country could glass you if you got on the wrong side. No, exactly. It's got to be, it's, it's got to be rules under war, hasn't it? I mean, that fair play has got to come into it as well. Talking of the, um, English sense of fair play and war, when, um, the crossbow was invented, a lot of people wouldn't use it. They said it was unchristian. So our soldiers sort of resisted it. So Europeans got this thing that needed no skill and it was shooting these bolts and they could reload quick and, uh, versus our, our bowmen. What do you think of that? What do you think of going, oh, it's cheating, we won't use it, but having a disadvantage? That's honour, isn't it? It's almost like it's okay to kill someone, but with skill. But, uh, what's the problem here? What am I meant to be worrying about? Well, you've got, you've got bow and arrows. Yeah. They're amazing. They're heavy. They're, your arms, they've got, they've got trained bowmen, they're skilled, the most skilled sort of marksman, uh, uh, soldiers in the country. Someone comes along, goes, don't worry about that, here's a crossbow, just pop it in, put it back, <laughs> deadly, deadly, quick, anyone can use it. So now you've got anyone with a crossbow killing people. Women, children. Anyone can use it. So the Europeans, they're going crazy. Oh, William Tellen is, they're, he's shooting apples off heads. Yeah. Right? But we did, we resisted it because we thought it was, you know, unchristian and cheating to kill without skill. What do you think of that? But where were the, where were the actual bows and that being made? Because that's the thing, isn't it? The, 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 the company who's making them, they just right. want to get out to a big market. Brilliant. That's, that's what they do now with the iPod and everything. It's not about people wanting more music than ever before. That's not the case. It's about having, having the accessory. And if the bow and arrow was like sold as this, you know, light to carry for all the family. <laughs> that's, that's how it would have happened. That's what it's all about. Ye new bow and arrow from Ronco. But what, what do you think the problem yeah, is? Yeah, but you're not quite getting Ricky's point. His point is the idea of there being sort of rules and fair play and etiquette in war. The I don't, objective I don't is to kill the place, enemy. I don't think war and that is a place to start getting all uppity about someone cheating or having a oh, better system. Really? You think all fair in love and war, do you? Yeah, definitely. Right. Well, it's just about rules, winning. isn't it? No, not in a war. There isn't rules. So what about things like the Geneva Convention? It's the understanding that even if we're entering into a war, theoretically, there's a set of agreed universal rules. It's good for both sides, rules. isn't it? Fair play has got well, to come into the, everything. The, what's extraordinary about the idea of English fair play is, you know, famously the, you know, the approach during the First World War, that we would sort of walk up out of the trenches onto no man's land and sort of politely march at a slow, steady pace across towards the I enemy. Know. I mean, and then we were just being machine gunned down. I mean, it was absurd. Well, I, I know we were fodder. It was fodder to use up some of their bullets. I mean, it was crazy. But, I mean, it's madness. But in a way, it's it's the gentry who are leading us, seeing you know the average Tommy as a sort of as well, cannon fodder. Of, of I mean, course, it's of course. And you know, we've got to realise that most of the people didn't want to be there. 
Most of them didn't even understand it. I mean, and if you think of the first and second, you know, they were just wars, you know, but, um, I just, I can't, just can't imagine How what it'd be like. do you think, Carl, in a war situation? You've seen all those films of the, uh... I mean, that's the one they had a, had a knockabout and stuff, didn't they? They took, you know, the game of football and In that. No Man's Land, yeah. Christmas Day. But who, who took a football there? Uh, if I was on the front line, I would not be getting out the rule book. I can tell you that much. I'd be going mental. Are you saying there should be some rules or no rules? I mean, you've got to have some rules, otherwise it's, it's just going to be like Grand Theft Auto, isn't it? I'm just going to go about battering everyone. Yeah. And you soon get bored of that. Mm. So I think you've got to have some rules. Right. Which rules would you repeal that already exist, that you don't like? Uh, it's a shame you can't tip as much as you used to be able to. You mean in a restaurant? No, just when you're getting rid of a mattress or something. <laughs> <laughs> so fly tipping, you'd what, like to see you, more what, fly tipping. What, what, what just, do you mean? This is something so personal, he's fed up, he had to take something. No, it's, okay. it's just that they used to put stuff outside the house and just like you had mattresses, you had sideboards, uh, sewing machines. The thing is, it was it was a good way of recycling. Now, they say recycle, but we're not recycling. It's just being put in a bin. So you'd like to see more fly tipping? <laughs> no, not, you see... You That's see, what we needed, London, more this rubbish. Is, this <laughs> is the problem, you see. Look what's happened. Look what's happened to what I've said. It's been taken the wrong way. Right. I'm not saying tip. I'm not saying chuck your bin bags out the door and let crisp packets go everywhere. I'm saying if you've got old furniture, you should be allowed to leave it outside your house. Without the council going, move that, it's dangerous, someone's going to trip over it. Mm. Well, if right. they trip over it, it should have been looking where they're going. Well, what if they're blind? Huh? What if they're blind? That's why you don't leave things out in the pavement, because blind people will fall over them and smack their face in. What if a woman with a couple of kids in pushchairs has to go out into the road yeah. to get past and your get, piece of junk? And get crushed. No, because I'm, I'm leaving it, I'm not leaving it on the, on the pavement. What well, you just said you were, where are you leaving it? Sort of outside the house. Right. In your that? front garden, well, who's going to take it from there? That's just thieving. No, sort of just Where are you leaving it? Where are you leaving it, Carl? You haven't established where you're leaving this yet. Because uh, so far, a blind person's fallen over and broken his nose. I've never seen a blind teeth. person trip over anything. You've never seen a blind person trip over anything? Definitely not. They're, they're better on the feet than some people, because they're more cautious, aren't they? So- Make it more fun for them, if anything. Why can't you just have this stuff collected by a second-hand shop or because send it to a Because they won't, they don't come, Steve. Honestly, they, they don't. They I've, I've called up people and they're saying, yeah, we'll be there in an hour. And I say, right, I'm going to put it out on the street and are you going to come and get it? Yeah, we'll be there. An hour passes by. They haven't been. Suddenly the council goes over the past. Place. <laughs> on the floor, bloodied noses. Then the council say, I call them up, do you want to shift it? Well, we might, but don't know when. Well, it's outside the house now. Well, you can't leave it there. It's your responsibility. You'll have to stay with it. Suddenly I'm wasting time sat outside the house with rubbish that someone else might want. But you're not allowed to leave there because a blind person might come along. What's the dog doing? <laughs> do you make of St. George, the patron saint? What's your take on that? Is he the one who killed a dragon? Right. Tell us the story. There was a dragon problem. Mm -hmm. Um, must have been in England. Right. Um, George took it on, he took on the job, he was like a rent-a-kill. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he came out. The interesting thing with him is, right, he was a hero then. I honestly think if he did that now, there'd be an uproar. Because it's the last, it's the last dragon. 
It's the same way we try to save the panda and all that now. If he came out and said, I've done it, and they've gone done what? Yeah. They've just killed the last dragon. They'd, they'd go mental. They'd be marches. <laughs> idiot! Bloody idiot! <laughs> and that's what's interesting. But it was, it was going around burning people. Doesn't matter, we should have, we shouldn't have killed the last one. It's the last one! And that's no, what we'd be do, like. Do, you say, you should have saved it, you should have captured it and put it in a cage so we can all look at it There's no stuff. point, you couldn't have bred anyway, it was the last one. Was it definitely the last one? <laughs> well, you were saying it was the last one, I'm not bothered either way. Well, hang on, what, to sorry, me, hang on. Whoa, 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 whoa. So you think that there were dragons? Well, what are we celebrating then? Well, it could be a metaphor, a dragon slayer. It could be... Um, a, a bad thing amongst us. It could be a foreign threat. It could well, be things that threaten. Our, it could be anything. It could. It's not. It's not to be taken literally, is but it? But the real legend of George was that he was a figure who uh, stood up for Christianity. Doesn't have you ever done anything brave? There was a kid at school who used to have epileptic fits a lot, and uh, the teacher used to always say, "If it happens, grab his tongue." And I sort of had a go at that once. His tongue. His tongue. Yeah. What it was? What, what, what do you have a tongue for? To pick stuff up? What do you mean a tongue? His tongue in his mouth. Oh, his tongue. Oh, his tongue. Yeah. Right, go on. And they used to say, if he, if he starts, if he starts doing it, uh, grab his tongue and that. Yeah. And and I sort of had a go at that once, and it was wasn't nice. What? How did you grab it? Well, you grabbed his tongue, did you? Well, I tried to. It's like grabbing a slug. <laughs> and plus, his mouth's going up and down. That like, you think he's going to have me handy? So you sort of do that thing where you go. <laughs> so you were fight, you were trying to grab hold of a kid's tongue, yeah? And he was. He was throwing himself all all over the place. It was in a physics lesson. I sort of had a go, and then I thought this isn't happening. So I just sort of kept putting my hand in, like I'm having a go. But I, I, in my head, I was going, I'm not going to get hold of it. What you could have used is a pair of tongs. Well, firstly, I don't see why this is brave. Uh, kids have an athletic fit, and you're just supposed to help them out. I don't know why that's bravery, but even given that. The fact that you were thinking more about yourself in that situation than this other kid. You were thinking, I'll make it look like I'm helping, but I'm not really. And yet this is kid having well, a Well, I did, I did at the beginning, doesn't I tried. Doesn't that sum you up, Carl? Selfish. No, no, it doesn't. Because I, I, I didn't, no one else was having a go. At least I did try and grab it you at one point. You weren't doing anything. You were just making it look like you were. It's, have you ever tried to grab a tongue? <laughs> it's <laughs> like chasing a, a chicken. <laughs> it's murder. And after a while, it wears you out. And it was weird anyway, because he, he was like a kid. What was he doing it for? I don't know. Where are you after hours of chasing love, this kid's tongue? I love the idea of you ever tried grabbing a tongue. It's a, it's a valid question. I love that he's annoyed. He's annoyed that this what poor you, kid's What was your technique? Were you trying to grab it? Just, sort of like just with your thumb and your, what's it, finger? Like, like, yeah. a, like a pincher thing. Yeah. But it was, because his mouth's going down and... Was he, like, he shouting or just... No, just throwing himself around. So that's your one attempt at bravery. Well, hang on a minute, let me just think it's Trying to grab else. a tongue. There was a time you were chased by a bee and you scored a goal. What <laughs> about that? That, that? that isn't really bravery, <laughs> is it? As you, were, as you were running away from a bee and the ball happened to hit oh. your foot and go in. Oh. That count as bravery. I love it when he goes up to the pearly gates and goes, well, you know, have you done the act of courage? Uh, I pretended to grab a tongue. <laughs> a what? A tongue. A tongue, yeah. Uh, got chased by a bee, scored a goal. It doesn't count as brave at all. Well, what have you ever done? Well, it's a good question. I thought of some of them. When I was a kid on the beach, um, there was a, a baby, like a toddler. I was about 12. And, uh, they were out, their little boat was going out. The mother missed it and they were miles out. And the mother was sort of distraught. And I swam out. And uh, I was a good swimmer then, and I pulled it in, right? And she bought me a box of chocolates. It's not enough, is it? 
But it's not enough a box of chocolates. I'd have been furious. Really? I'd have wanted a lot more. I didn't expect anything. No, it was like when I found that old lady's purse and I sent it back to her and she didn't. She sent me a little thank you note, but nothing. No cash, nothing. I was furious. I thought, come on, I've just, I've kept. I could have kept that purse. I sent really? it back to you. I did, I need more than a little thank you note. I didn't. I didn't expect it. I was. I was sort of. Uh, I wasn't even particularly proud of myself because I just thought, well, I could just. I could just do it. It, what, I mean, if it happened now, I'd go, what's in it for me? I've just eaten. <laughs> exactly. I'd go, is that your kid? They're miles away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've got less brave. I've got more scared of the world, yeah. The things I used to do, jump off sheds, I used to jump down flights of stairs to see if I could do it, walk along, walk, you know, all those things that kids do. And, um, and you lose your nerve, I think, after. Apparently, if you haven't bungee jumped by your 30, you never will. Really? Yeah, you sort of. I think it's a sensible gene kicks in. I, I'm pretty sensible. Yeah, you think, well, this is not worth dying for. Don't do it. Mm. You know. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think having glasses prevents me from doing a lot of things. <laughs> no, seriously, because it's hard to be brave with glasses. Because <laughs> if I stepped into the middle of a fight and there's people being bullied and I stepped in, <laughs> my glasses come off. That's it. <laughs> Now, now I'm just being bullied as well. But I'm also yeah. blind in this, so I'm just crawling. It's very hard to strike fear into your opponents when you're crawling around on the floor looking for your frames, going, "Don't step, don't tread lightly, tread lightly." That's totally quick there. Oh god, I love that when you took up judo and you think you overheard the yeah. judo instructor say, "Just knock his glasses just off." Just knock his glasses off. But why are you? Why are you? Who are you, Woody Allen? What are you doing in this scenario? Why are you stepping into the dojo wearing a pair of glasses? Well, how anyway? am I supposed to do judo without? Where am I supposed well, to? Well, they come off immediately. But what am I supposed to do? Not do any form of martial art because of the glasses? I don't know. Actually, I haven't thought about that. Exactly. This is the problem, isn't it? People don't think that. You never see boxers with glasses. Well, of course you don't. Right. Exactly. So I got no kind of athletic role models in that way, except. Dennis Taylor. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, a man with glasses. Me and my glasses. Hey, so tell you this, I could I could write a book on the difficulties of having glasses. But I suppose it's completely affected your life, hasn't of course it? it has. Everything you do. Of course it has. Absolutely. Fashion, fashion. Yeah. Um, certain sport, dancing, moshing. Can't go in the mosh pit. Can't, you know, I've always wanted to jump on the stage, you know, <laughs> take my shirt off and then jump back in and everyone catches you and they sort of, you sort of sway along on top of everyone's hands. Can't do it. The glasses would come flying off. But how do you swim in the I'd sea? I'd have to hand them to the singer and then do it. <laughs> I, I went to, um, I was in India recently, I went to Goa and I got myself a pair of prescription goggles. Could not believe my luck. It's revolutionised my swimming experience. All right. Pre goggles which have got the same lenses in as my glasses so I can all right. see. All right. That's good. Went in there. Uh, literally, I, and they're pricey as well. Went in the water, within seconds, giant wave had come over, and it was crazy. It was like real all over again. It ripped off both my trunks and my goggles. They went flying off my head. What now, I, I can only grab one of them. My I trunks have my never trunks. come off. Maybe once well, I've dived in, they come no, down a they, little bit. They came loose and they slipped down, thus revealing penis. Goggles came off. I off. reckon you're but like you know shorts, what? man. I think you've been doing it on purpose. You know how most swimmers. Tie your shorts up, Steve. <laughs> no, I'm just going to see. But if they well, come you know, off, you know, if they come off, then you might see something. You know how most uh, swimming goggles would float. Yeah. My prescription is so dense <laughs> <laughs> that they just sunk straight to the bottom. <laughs> if I should die, think only this of me: that there's some corner of a foreign field that is forever England. There shall be, in that rich earth, a richer dust concealed, a dust whom England bore, shaped, made aware, gave once her flowers to love, her ways to roam, a body of England's breathing English air, washed by the rivers, blessed 
by sons of home. And think this heart, all evil shed away, a pulse in the eternal mind, no less, gives somewhere back the thoughts, by England given, her sights and sounds, dreams happy as her day, and laughter, learnt of friends and gentleness, in hearts at peace, under an English heaven. Rupert Brooke, The Soldier. What an, what an amazing poem that is. Yeah. It's a shame you read it, though. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Ricky Gervais Guide to the English. That's it for a little while. Five in that series of guides too. Plenty to be going on with. Plenty to be going on with. There's also the, the, the rest of the back catalogue as well. And we might do the odd free one. But we'll be back soon anyway with maybe um, another series of guides too. Who knows, Carl? Thoughts? I've enjoyed this. Have you? Yeah, my favourite ones. I like learning stuff, you know that. If we're going to learn something and make a few quid, I'm happy. Mm. Unlike the people who are listening to this who have, are down two quid and have learned absolutely nothing. And what they have learned from you is total bollocks. So, thanks. That's goodbye from me, Ricky Gervais, Stephen Merchant. Goodbye. And Carl Pilkington. Bye. Right.